and many world championships and many Olympic goals does Paul O'Donnell need to win to be the greatest sports person of all time in Ireland is there a number can we pick a number because he's going to do it OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app You're very welcome back to the show. Richie McCormick here with you tonight. The name of Israel Olatunde is absolutely everywhere today and with just cause, the Louth native is Ireland's fastest ever man after breaking the 15-year-old Irish record of Paul Hessian last night and in the small matter of a European Championship final in the Olympiastadion in Munich to talk about what has been a fairly promising European Games from an Irish perspective and a whole lot more is Cahill Dennehy. Cahill, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. What has been a, a rather hectic week for yourself and I imagine it only got more hectic after last night's events. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of Irish athletes here. 30-something, I think 35 or so Irish athletes and then that's only in athletics and then obviously across the broader European Championships with cyclists, gymnasts, still to come later on this week. They get going tomorrow. And then the roars, obviously, brilliant. As always, last weekend with the, the medals for Paul McCarty, or Paul O'Donovan, Fintan McCarty, and amongst the others. Um, but yeah, the athletics so far, it's been going very well. Um, Israel, no medals yet, but I would I would strongly suspect Friday night should bring a medal in the women's 1500 if Kier McGeehan runs up to form. But last night was, you know, I suppose I've been going to athletics championships in a media perspective for maybe about 10 years now and the championships even as a fan before that for 20 plus years and I can never remember a night better maybe a handful as good as we saw in the Olympic Stadium last night it was just astonishing the place was rocking from start to finish and great to have an Irishman in the first ever for the first ever time in a European 100 meter final and to run a national record at the age of 20 from Israel Alatunde was just astonishing. I think he piqued a lot of people's interest in his heat when he came within a hair's breadth of beating Hessian's record. And then obviously, um, like when we were doing the news round last night, I think was when the semifinals had just started. I think his semifinals around 20 past seven last night. And I was talking in terms of, well, if he can get 10-1-3, 10-1-6, that's where the fastest losers have been so far. And he'll be in the final then, but it's a big ask. It never occurred to me that alongside the Olympic champion that Israel might be able to come second in a European Championship semi-final in his first go-round block as a senior. Like, this is this is really uncharted territory, not just for him, but also for, for Irish sprinting, really. It really is. I mean, yeah, I don't think much was expected of him, but people kind of knew he's broken the Irish under-23 record four times already this year, and I think people expected him to probably break that a fifth time here, which he did in his heat by running 10.19, which was obviously only one hundredth of a second off the national senior record by Paul Hessian that was set all of 15 years ago. And I think everyone kind of knew Israel Olatunde for the past year or so is the athlete to break that record. But a lot of kind of stars need to align for you to, to run faster than any Irishman in history. And, and I think what was so impressive about it as well was that there was essentially no wind in the stadium last night. Paul Hessian had a 1.9 metres per second tailwind when he ran that record, uh, just below the allowable limit for records of mm. 2.0. And if you had added that, I was running some calculations earlier on some of the, the nerdy online athletics calculators for what a 2 metres per second tailwind would have been worth. If Israel had the same wind that Hessian had, you're looking at a time last night under 10.10. Um, obviously, to run 10.17 in still conditions is just astonishing. Um, and only four hundredths of a second off a medal, I think it was. Yeah. And I think it was great to see Israel. You know, so often in athletics, it's all about the gold, silver and bronze and the rest just get forgotten. Um, and even sometimes, you know, we've seen at the World Championships, people can win gold and set a world record and not look all that impressed. 
Um, but to see the reaction of Israel Olatunde when he had those nervous few moments after the line and then he saw that time, 10-17, to just know how much that meant to him. I mean, it speaks to what an achievement it was and just what a bright future he has. Yeah, we spoke, Jer spoke to him and Owen spoke to him this morning and we'll play a little bit of that interview uh, very shortly indeed. He comes across just exceptionally well uh, as a 20-year-old, you know, probably should be in terms of enthusiasm and in terms of, you know, that kind of natural joy that he has for his own sports, but also there's a head in his shoulders as well. I'm sure you probably would have seen it uh, up close in the mix zone last night too. Like, he just seems like the full package uh, already, which at the age of 20 is scary stuff, really. It is. I mean, he's. it's interesting that he's he's so good now at the age of 20, which would suggest a kind of a, a freakish talent, which obviously he is. You have to be to get to that level. But I think what's kind of been forgotten in Israel's story and maybe not mentioned so much over the past 24 hours is that Israel was not like his good friend Rashida Adeleki, you know. Rashida has obviously accomplished the same thing as him here in terms of making a European senior final, which has happened in a few hours' time. But like she did it at the age of 19, Israel did it at the age of 20. They were training partners in Tala under Daniel Kilgallen. But the difference between them really is that Rashida, from the age of 14, everyone looked at her and said she is very special. Israel, people weren't really, he was up there at national level, you know, at the age of 15, 16, 17, but Israel never won a school's title. And I mean, the school, Irish schools championships, are, they bring in everyone from rugby players to soccer players, yeah. the fastest lads on the team are pulled in to run relays. And obviously the best and fastest talent in athletics each year meet at the schools championships. And Israel never won one of those titles. So for him to be, have become just a few years after being in that environment speaks to, I guess, what a relatively late developer is. And I suppose, as Israel said last night in his interview, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I think there'll be a lot of other athletes maybe winning bronze medals and maybe finishing down the field at the moment at schools championships at the age of 14 15 16 who would be looking to what israel achieved and going you know what i can do the same thing and the fact he's such he's genuine i, I tweeted last night it couldn't happen to a nicer guy he is very much unsprinter like in his demeanor you know sprinters were so used to seeing the bombast and the kind of testosterone yeah. coming out of them on the start line and the kind of ego but Israel is about as modest as it gets. That's not to say he's not ambitious, because when you talk to him, he does speak very promisingly about what he hopes to achieve in the future. But there is absolutely zero trace of arrogance or ego when it comes to Israel. And I think that's really a product that's a testament to his coaches, a testament to his family and a testament, I suppose, to his own attitude. He just puts the head down, does the work, commutes from Dundalk to Tala every day, goes to college in UCD. It's a it's a hard routine he has, but it's certainly paying dividends now. I tell you what, there'll be a queue uh, as long, pretty much, uh, snaking around Tala Stadium to get in and work with uh, Daniel Kilgallen at Tala Athletic Club because the athletes that he's produced and the sprinters in particular that he's helped produce over the last couple of years, is, it's phenomenal. Like, this is something in terms of sprinting I don't think we've we've seen the likes of before in this country. It really is. I mean, Daniel, for many years, has kind of quietly had the best sprints group in the country. and He's worked with a lot of underage athletes. Um, and, you know, he's just he's done it all for the love of the sport. Daniel was previously employed by Athletics Ireland, but it wasn't in a coaching capacity. It was in a kind of a sprint coordinator capacity. But all his coaching for years and long before that and since he's left that position, it's all done in a voluntary capacity. He doesn't get paid for any of it. And to have done all that, really, but he did it. Despite being, I suppose, an amateur coach on paper, he did it to a professional level and he does it to a professional level to the point where someone like Rashida Adeleki or Israel Olatunde, they're not forced into the situation where so many athletes in the past would have felt they had to go to America, even though Rashida has gone, obviously, and that's working out for her. But Israel has equally proven that by going to UCD and training in Tala under the continued expert guidance of Dan, 
that he is just maturing at a rate of knots. And honestly, when it comes to Daniel Kilgallen, you couldn't sing his praises highly enough because, like I said, he is coaching to world-class levels, but he's doing it there in South Dublin and he's doing it brilliantly. So he deserves so many plaudits. And he's the kind of guy, I met him last night, shook his hand and just said, well done, you know, there's enough bad days in the sport, enjoy this one. And he was immediately deflecting praise and just saying, look, it's all Israel and it's all his achievement and all that. But obviously it's clearly Dan's achievement as well. So a huge hat tip to him and indeed Jerry McArdle as well up in Dundalk, who nursed him through those teenage years and kept him in the sport and developed him to hand over to Daniel. Would there be interest from US colleges to, to get hold of Israel? And from his point of view, like it's, it is brilliant to see that obviously Irish coaching can produce world-class you know, championship level, championship final level performances like Israel Alatunde's, but there's still that nagging suggestion. And I guess Rashida going off to Texas has done that a little bit. The sense that Irish sprinters and Irish athletes might be better served with that little bit of extra seasoning they might get elsewhere. Is that the case with Israel, do you feel, that he could end up going elsewhere or is he happy enough to, to remain here and work under Daniel? I think he, I mean, it's clearly working under Daniel, which is the first thing. So he's no reason to kind of leave athletically. Um, and he's, you know, he's a bright student as well. He's doing well. He's coming towards the end of his degree in UCD. So I think he'll obviously finish that out. He would have the option, clearly. The, the US colleges, as much talent as they have over there, they would be beating down his door now to take Israel Olatunde over. As a, a 10.1 athlete that he is, he could really make an impact in the NCAA. Um, but I suppose, yeah, he doesn't need to go, I suppose, is the big thing. And that's that's definitely, you know, a lot of us in Irish athletics who work it around it would kind of complain about the system here and things like that. And a lot of coaches and athletes would complain about the system. But there certainly is a support structure now around Israel. And again, it's testament to Daniel Kigal. And he has put that around him in terms of physio backup and everything he needs to train, I guess, to professional levels. And fingers crossed now, you know, we saw... Jack Chambers was here last night, the Minister for Sport, and there was a lot of kind of other people from Sport Ireland. They were all witnessing these performances from someone like Rashida Adelecki, someone like Israel Olatunde. But it's a drum we've been beating so long. You would like to now see them put their money where their mouth is, follow up those social media posts about how well Israel Olatunde did and start funding Irish coaches start funding Daniel Kilgallen, start funding the many others who are developing athletes exactly like Israel Olatunde because there is so much talent out there in the country. And when you speak to coaches who work with, you know, the Israel Olatundes of yesteryears, the 12, the 14-year-olds, they're in there in schools, they see the talent and then they see the talent either get lost to sport entirely or get lost to GAA, soccer, rugby, whatever it is, possibly the more attractive options, either financially or socially, whatever it is. But to really harness that talent and to develop that talent, you know, repeating the same thing ad nauseum, we really need to start funding coaches properly in Ireland because there could be so many more Israel Olatundas. Like, that's the point that we want to get to because I think for donkey's years, and this has gone back generations of athletes, we've seen one or two pop through and be world superstars when the feeling is that with the right kind of coaching and the right facilitating of that coaching, which ultimately comes down to finances, there could have been so many more Sonia's. There could have been so many more Katrina McKiernan's. Could have been so many more Tom Barr's, etc., etc., etc. On down the line, like you want to see multiples of Israel Alatunde, and you figure that they are out there. Um, it's just managing to get the right environment for them to thrive in, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you first have to get the talent there, and then you have to develop it. You know, and Israel had was lucky enough that up in Dundalk, his PE teacher got him into the sport, and then kept him in the sport, and then. 
once he handed over. And he, I think he had the kind of lack of ego as well, Jerry McArdle, to hand Israel over at a certain point in his career and say, I am not a world-class coach and I need to hand him over to someone who can take him to that kind of world-class, international-class level. And that was Daniel Kilgallen. And that's brilliant. And Rashida Adelecki's coach, Johnny Fox, at Tala AC, did exactly the same, was in charge of her at underage level and then eventually said, right, she's at a level now. She needs a kind of a higher-level coach who's kind of equipped to know how to coach a world-class sprinter. And in Ireland, that is Daniel Kilgallen. And there are others too. You know, there's there's a handful of coaches there. I'm thinking of Shane McCormack and Jeremy Lyons and Noel Morrissey who are in a volunteer capacity coaching a lot of sprinters to Olympic level um, and they're doing a brilliant job of it. And you kind of look sometimes internationally and think the equivalent of them in Poland or Holland or Germany, they're in a full-time job. Um, whereas our kind of coaches are working full-time jobs in offices and then they're going to the track from 6 to 9 p.m. in the evening. They're doing that six days a week, for, basically for the love of the sport. Yeah, and you look at, like you touched on Poland there, I mean, they've got three entrants in that final tonight for the 400 metres that Rashida's running in. Um, it's going to be two minutes past nine or there, thereabouts, depending on how other things beforehand, as we all know, kind of uh, push things further down the line. She's looked impressive so far. I mean, my first uh, viewing of her this year was in that heat in the mixed 4 by 400 over in, in Oregon. And she looked remarkably impressive in that, you know, closing leg. Um, she seems to have had a little bit more in the tank in getting through these rounds so far in Munich. What's your sense of what she can possibly achieve in relation to perhaps maybe your season's best tonight? I'm almost afraid when it comes to Radisha to make too many predictions because she's such an astonishingly gifted athlete that she... She literally could do anything. I mean, when she came out and started running 400 metres back in April, no one really would have thought as talented as she is that she could break the Irish record, which is what she did, 50.70. It was just jaw-dropping to run that at the age of 19 when you've only started running 400 metres faster than any Irish woman in history. She hasn't run as quick as that since, but she's mainly focusing on 200 and had a very busy collegiate season. And this will be the 49th race of her year. And, you know, I think to on average, NCAA athletes race a lot, but, you know, none of the athletes in this field, I haven't looked it up, but I could say with absolute certainty without looking it up that none of them have gotten near 50 races this year. I would suspect that none of them have really gone over 30, 35 races. Right. So it's kind of a question of whether or not Rashida Adelecki at this stage of the season is running on fumes because NCAA athletes are trained to peak in May and June. And then her coach, Edric Floriel, has kind of kept her going to the World Championships. She probably thought going there, that would be the end of her season. Um, and indeed, she had a holiday booked in Mexico this week um, as a result of that. But then I think just missing out in that 400-meter final after she walked off the track, she was like, do you know what? I kind of Now I kind of want to go to Europeans and extend the season by four weeks or so. So she took a short break, 10 days or two weeks or so off, started training up again. And now I think she she was coming down the home straight in her heat in second place. She ran 51 seconds low. Um, and she said she just, there was two top two places automatically went through. And she said she just kind of lost concentration and eased up trying to conserve a bit too much energy yesterday for tonight's final. Yeah. And she actually got caught. So she got a bit lucky that she got in as the fastest loser into the final. Unfortunately, the result of that is that she's in lane one, which for a tall athlete is certainly not ideal. Um, I wouldn't suspect... Rashida to, will make the top five or six here. I would be shocked and delighted to see her do it. Um, and I think if she does finish six, seven, eight, you know, in high 50 seconds or low 51 seconds, we just have to still take our cap off to what has been an amazing season by Rashida Adelecki at the age of 19. I mean, she's broken the national records at 60, at 200, at 300 and 400. So really, she's in a no-lose situation tonight. But at the same time, she is so talented that it wouldn't shock me at all if she went out there and just ran somehow another national record and was in the hunt for a bronze medal. 
Um, it's been like one of these really impressive, like quietly impressive championships for Ireland when you consider Finula McCormick's seventh in the marathon, Brendan Boyce, uh, I think a top 10 finish in the 35k walk, and Brian Fay, which might have been a name that maybe not a lot of people were familiar with last night, <clears throat> pardon me again, the top 10 finish in the 5,000 metres. I don't think that performance should be undersold either. Yeah, that was a great run from Brian Fay. I know he always comes home like an absolute steam train. Um, and he probably could have started this kick a little bit sooner and he might have even made top six or top five. Um, but that's kind of the way he runs often. He kind of has that extra boost in the last lap. But a brilliant run. And young Dara McElhenney as well. You know, he was in, I think he was in seventh place with 300 metres to go. And just his ambition probably just got the better of him a little bit. He pushed himself a little bit too hard and just blew an absolute gasket with 300 to go. And he he lost about 12 seconds, 13 seconds in the space of 300 metres to Brian Faye. He said his legs just stopped working, basically. Yeah. But, you know, he he ran 4,800 brilliant metres of 5,000 last night to Dara McElhenney. And he'll get there in the future. So you're, you're looking really at two Irish athletes who are in that kind of top 10 in Europe at senior level already. And they're both very young guys. And, you know, European distance runners don't, don't um, mature generally until their late 20s. That's when they start peaking, perhaps even early 30s. They're both early 20s guys. Um, still in college, both of them. Dara's in UCD. Brian is just finished in DCU and he went over to do a postgrad in the University of Washington. Um, so they look two athletes who can kind of carry the can for Irish distance running in the years ahead. And it's it's so brilliant to see two Irish distance runners, male distance runners, in a European final and up there in the league group for so much of that final. Sure. And yeah, brilliant stuff from both of them last night. I want to touch on as well um, Sarah Healy's comments. I know she, she was speaking directly to yourself in the mix zone after the, the heats of the semifinals, pardon me, of the, the 1500. Like, really raw and open stuff from her. And it shows what athletes at that level particularly have to deal with, not necessarily the external stuff, but there really can be that massive internal battle in terms of trying to drag their best performance possible out of themselves at specific times. And it's something that Sarah seems has struggled with despite having all the natural ability in the world. Yeah, and I mean, I think a part of it is that, you know, Sarah to me seems quite like a perfectionist, you know, in terms of she's very academically gifted. She's obviously clearly so athletically gifted and she was winning so many titles in her teenage years. And then it's a story as old as time that when these kind of young stars come up to senior level, it's very, very hard for them mentally as much as physically because they're suddenly in diamond leagues. They're in senior championships where it's just so much harder. You know, you have the equivalent of five different under 20 championships that generations of athletes thrown in together and the very best of them who've risen to the top and it can be very difficult and she has found it difficult now the last four championships she's gone to on the track that's the olympic games last year the world indoors in belgrade this year the world outdoors in oregon and the european championships she's underperformed at all of them some significantly underperformed some like the olympics only slightly underperformed but she has proven at other championships, and I'm thinking here of the European Cross Country in Dublin, where she was in with a medal chance. She finished fifth there and really dug in the whole way and fought to the end there. So I don't think it's a thing where it's like she's always, you know, falling apart in terms of pressure on the big stage because she's shown at European Under-20 Championships, European Under-23s, she's able to do it there. The step up to senior is going to take some time, but she's kind of getting there slowly. But they're definitely, you know, I think it was refreshing to see her speak so openly about it because we know this is something that a lot of athletes struggle with when they come to championships. You know, they get extremely anxious. They can boil over and it is so hard. You know, Sarah Healy is a 21 year old athlete and to go out there last night you know, Tokyo was obviously without crowds. There wasn't that big a crowd when she ran at the World Championships in Oregon and she walked out in front of crowds, you know, that were huge and basically you feel the pressure. It's on national TV 
And if something small can go wrong on the third lap, say, as it did for her when she started getting shuffled back through the pack, it can very quickly turn into something huge in your head and you just kind of sometimes, you know, if, if you're not going to run your A-level performance, there's not a B or a C or a D-level performance. It can jump straight to an F. And that's what's unfortunately happened for Sarah Healy a few times. But, you know, she's working with a sports psychologist. And I think the biggest thing is that she's identified that at times in championships, she has had those mental lapses in concentration. And I think that's the biggest step because Kira McGeehan, lest we forget, was in a very similar scenario early on in her 20s after a brilliant junior career, had so many injuries, came back in her mid-20s past them. But had a lot of very, very bad championships. I'm thinking of 2017 in London, she ran very badly. 2017 European indoors in Belgrade, she dropped out midway through the final when she started losing contact with the leaders. But straight after that European final, she started working with Kate Kirby, the sports psychologist at the Sport Ireland Institute. And she's credited that for, I guess, learning the techniques to, I guess, cope when something does go wrong middle of the race. And you do have these negative thoughts into your head, how to respond, how to counteract them. And how to, I guess, dig in. And I think if there's one athlete, any Irish athlete could look to for inspiration on that front, Fanula McCormack, to me, is the, the gold standard. She seems to just have it naturally. Um, you know, she was coming into that women's marathon earlier on this week with a big medal chance. She was the second fastest in the race. Didn't happen for her for various reasons on the day. And she was falling back to 10th position with about five, eight kilometers to go, something like that. But a lot of athletes in that case, what would they have done? They'd have given up and basically just jogged it in and finished like 12th, 15th, whatever it was, without really caring. Fanula absolutely buried herself to go from 10th all the way up to 7th. A lot of people, you know, that might not mean too much to people when you're coming in with a medal shout. But to Fanula, that means everything. And that's the way she runs. And I think while it does seem to be ingrained in Fanula, she's always been that way. Athletes like Kira McGeehan, who we've seen struggle at times with that in the past, and Sarah Healy can certainly look to that because it is... As I was writing today, you know, talking to a coach for a piece I did in the Irish Examiner, it is a trainable trait, really, that ability to just respond in the right way when things start going wrong. Because sometimes when things go wrong at championships, it can be a very cruel place and you can just be spat out the back quickly. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, pretty, it's a, it's a pretty lonely kind of thing to have to kind of endure as well because it's such a solo endeavour. Um, you mentioned at the top of this piece as well, Kira McGean is, is looking in flying form and you were very positive about her, her medal uh, credentials um, going into that 1500 final how genuine are those medal credentials Carl this isn't just the, the green tinted glasses talking I guess this is actual you know you've done your research and you know your onions here she's very capable of doing this yeah I mean I hate to it, it, it's it, you know when you're in the media stuff it's it, you feel a bit unfair dumping unnecessary expectation isn't that like, but I will say objectively I would be shocked if Kira McGeehan doesn't win a 1500 metre medal on Friday that's not to say it's going to be easy and I think it's highly unlikely to be gold because Britain's Laura Muir, an Olympic medalist, a world medalist, Commonwealth champion who beat Kira, even coming in on tired legs, beat Kira pretty convincingly at the Commonwealth Championships or the Commonwealth Games recently in Birmingham. But Kira got closer than she's ever got to Laura Muir before at those championships. And Kira is certainly in the form of her life. I mean, her season's best was 4.03 there in the heat. And she absolutely ran the heat like a champion, you know, like the boss woman of that heat. She was so impressive. I think Kira McGeehan is in shape to break the national record as it stands at the moment. She's capable of running well under four minutes for 1500. She hasn't needed to do it yet. She might in Friday's final. Laura Muir, if she's healthy, if she's relatively fresh at the end of a long season, should win gold. But Kira and Poland, Sophia and Aoi are basically two versions of a very similar athlete. They've often duked it out for the silver and bronze medals at European level before. 
And I strongly suspect it will be Sophia Anawi and Kieran McGeehan again battling it out for that silver. And then on paper, at least, there does appear to be a gap back to the rest of the field. You have Bobachea from Romania and some other athletes. But on paper, the way Kieran McGeehan is running, and she will know this herself, none of those other athletes should be able to beat her on Friday. So I strongly suspect it will be Muir out front and then Inoui and McGeehan dusting it up for the silver. There you go. You heard it here first, kids. Carl Denny from Munich enjoying the European Athletics Championships out there. Thanks so much for speaking to us this evening. Thank you.